Hello and welcome to podcast number 28. Um, it is Making Sense of the 12-Step Fellowship Programme. Um, so first of all, I just want to introduce the team. I'm here today with Magano, Antonia, Bob and Heather. How are you all doing? Hi. Hi. Good. Very well. Hi. So a few episodes ago, we started a mini podcast uh, series on addiction. Um, and this podcast today is a sort of follow on from that. Um, so you can go back, have a look at the other podcasts we did, and you might want to give them a listen. Um, so for the purposes of this podcast, we are calling it the Fellowship or the 12 step program. Um, but it is commonly known like as other names, NA, I think you might have heard AA. Um, essentially they are, I think, peer support groups, but we'll talk about that in a bit more detail later. Um, so there are a couple of reasons why we decided to do this podcast. And firstly, as a team, we talk a lot about the 12 step program or the 12 the fellowship program amongst ourselves. Um, we, as an organization, we work with people in addiction recovery and a few of us on the team have also engaged with meetings. Um, some of us quite regularly, some of us less regularly, we all have our own different experiences. Um, it's also quite hotly, it's quite a hotly debated topic um, for our trainees on our courses as well, uh, the fellowship programme. Um, I would say it's a really high percentage of people with addiction issues have had some contact with the 12 step program at some point. Um, and we examine it in quite some detail on our courses as well, especially psychology for change, um, where our trainees also investigate like, you know, different perspectives um, or experiences uh, that they've had that help them maintain their recovery. So we thought it was a really interesting topic to unpick. Um, the second reason is that I think it's fair to say that the 12 step program is probably one of the most, if not the most uh, recognized models of recovery for addiction issues out there. Um, and I also feel like for the initiated and uninitiated alike, um, I've heard uh, it in, uh, you might have heard of it in some way before, you know. Um, so this podcast, uh, we thought it would be a good place to examine it in a little bit more detail on how the nuts and bolts of the organization work, like how did it start, what were the steps, et cetera, et cetera. So let's break it down. Um, so first things first, um, what's the first thing that comes into your minds when you think of the fellowship program? Religion, God. Yeah, God squads. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think of people sharing their experiences and standing up and sharing their life experiences. I think of basements. <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of the time when you see 12 step meetings like AA or NA or whatever on, on movies or TV, like it always seems to be in a basement, like in the evening, like dim lighting. For some reason, it's a really strong image in my head, like a, a circle of people. And I actually feel like the meeting, I've never been to a meeting, but I feel like they're, I don't know if joyous is the right word, but I feel like I'm not, I'm curious to know whether the depiction of meetings in, in uh, TV shows and movies has been kind of quite grey and quite basement-y is, is accurate. Um, I just think of people sitting in a circle of chairs and like telling really like depressing or dark stories, like a lot of like, I don't know, I think 
I think of them as depressing, even though I've been to meetings that are the opposite, because I have experience of going to meetings. I think the first thing that comes into my head when I think of them is that they are depressing type of dark rooms. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's what comes to, to my mind as well, like especially things like styrofoam cups. I think that's the main thing I, I can really think of and God Squad. Um, so, you know, how do you all feel about like, I mean, as I was saying in the introduction, it feels like it is quite well represented. People do have knowledge of what the 12 step program is. How do you think that it is kind of like it is perceived by people who are uninitiated, who might not have had addiction issues, might not have known anybody with addiction issues? Like, how do you think that the 12 step um, program or the fellowship is perceived? I think I thought, remembering back that it was some like it was like this weird cult because it was quite secretive so it was like you know not advertised but then you kind of knew it existed but but um yeah it was kind of like this cult it was kind of religious it was like a this sort of secret society kind of thing um yeah i actually think a lot of people don't know what it what it is i think they know it's some kind of support group and I just think that this is actually based on some conversations I've had with people that have like not had any kind of experience of addiction. But I think I think they think like you know if you if you go to rehab or something, it's it's meetings. It's like I think they know the word Alcoholics Anonymous and the and the acronym. Some people know NA Narcotics Anonymous. Some people know CA. But I feel like AA is quite common. But I don't think people understand like the nuts and bolts of it. Mm. I don't think people know that actually there's a philosophy like I don't think they sometimes even know that there's something called the 12 steps and mm. that's a framework so I, f I feel like yeah I think a lot of people you know maybe there's just something also in the psychology of people that they don't want to know because yeah I feel like there's something that's what I'm saying why they're always like in basements on tv I feel like there's some kind of um secrecy and and hiding away of meetings that happen so I feel like I don't know if there's a scapegoating thing or maybe people just don't want to even understand what it's about because it's nothing to do with them mm. it's like you know keep you know keep it for the people who need help like why would I bother trying to find out what it's about when it's so far away from me and also and also there's some things where I'm kind of slightly rambling but I think there's also something kind of slightly wider here that if you do start to look into what it's about it might start a person reflecting on their own relationship with drink or drugs and a lot of time people don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. so I don't think they're always portrayed negatively in the media. I think I've seen films or TV programs where you know there's a group atmosphere about them and everyone gets applauded for collecting you know one year, two years sober type of things. They're not always portrayed like as a really depressing space but they are portrayed as something that's only for certain types of people. Mm. That kind of like group away from, you know, if you've got a really bad problem with drink or drugs, you go to that and that's your like treatment for it. Yeah, and I feel like um, for me, yeah, it's interesting you were saying that because I was thinking like, it feels like there are really good representations of it in the media. And like, I'm thinking 
you know, if you were sort of uninitiated, it's that one thing that is there that supports people in addiction. And it's a place where you can talk about it and it's real. And, you know, you're with other people who also are talking about it and it has a very kind of communal spirit and so I feel like that to me that's like the sense that I kind of get from it um that whenever I speak to people who don't know what it is it seems like you know um that it's actually quite a a good representation just in the terms of there is something out there for people with um you know addiction issues and it makes me think it's like this organization is like worldwide it is you know it's here in the uk it's in america i don't know if it's mainly westernized i mean it is it's huge um and it's self-organized and it has you know been really really successful um which makes me think like how did it start like how did it spring up like how did it organize itself um you know how, where did it where did it all start from so I've got a few stats just leading on from what you were talking about. Like you, um, I'm glad someone has. That it's like active in 170 countries. This is just wow. AA. This is not. This is not even considering the others. Like there's about 60 other recovery programs under the kind of 12 step, following a 12 step guide, you know, fellowship kind of. 60. Sixty, yeah. Wow. You know, you've got debtors, anonymous cocaine, codependency, crystal meth, overeating, NA, gamblers, Al-Anon, which is kind of a support family support. Uh, I think children of children of alcoholics. So the kind of periphery people who are kind of you know um, affected by by it. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, the AA book itself, this kind of first kind of guideline book that every other fellowship has kind of been, been um, looks at as a framework uh, is, there's been 30 million copies of it sold oh, wow. uh, in 60 languages. And there are like 2 million active membership uh, memberships in AA alone. So it's, you know, it's massive <laughs> and it's where, worldwide. Where does the money go to from all the book sales? So it goes towards like uh, funding pu- more publications. I think it goes towards like there's you have kind of regional meetings and things, so people get funded to to, to do sort of service and go and so it's all kind of regionalized. You've got groups, and then yeah. they the groups. So you have like an area which is kind of like a, a it's like kind of like how councils are run and government kind of thing. You've got these structures from grassroots that kind of go up. Um, and they each kind of like go right up to the top. So you've got got the kind of like world, worldwide. I can't don't know what it's called. It's not a corporation, but like <laughs> fellowship kind of thing, which is in America, um, which has like the ultimate say. So even things like changing words or having new documents it's like it takes years of process because it comes from grassroots it comes from the people who are at, you know actively go to these meetings um and and then people kind of get together and 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 talk about this and then it goes to up to a regional and it kind of get area and then regional and so forth so it's it is like you know it is an absolute kind of gra- grassroots roots thing but I mean, initially the AA thing, it started in like the thirties. 
Oh, wow. There was already this kind of group called the Oxford Group, which is like a non non denominational group of people who were kind of helping alcoholics. Um, their their kind of motto uh, to kind of like helping helping um, al alcoholics was uh, to get honest with yourself, to get honest with another person about yourself have some internal housekeeping so clean away the debris of the past um, and help others with no demands or, of money or prestige and then pray to a god of your understanding um, mm. to have like an obsession removed and, and that's very much similar to, to the to the sort of 12 steps that you have nowadays it's kind of like the grounding of that so there was like a businessman who who kind of went a lot of the people who started it are quite kind of like high up stockbrokers and 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 doctors and and, and that men are all men, um, and also this link with Jung. So the, the psychiatrist Jung, who is kind of like a protege of Freud, uh, does a lot of work quite a lot at the unconscious and um, kind of like delving into sort of like yeah subconscious and unconscious and um, and he was kind of involved with seeing people's symptoms uh, as an individual like that they his people's the people that he was seeing when he was a psychiatrist they made perfect sense the symptoms did when you were looking at their individual past so kind of like bringing that in um, I think there were people that went to see Jung that ended up going to the Oxford group and that's when this man called Bill Wilson was kind of like recommended to go to go as well. So, and he kind of started the whole thing in a kind of stru not structured way, but in a kind of like basically telling people that this is kind of how you, how you can get clean and helping people and getting more and more people to actually um, have consistently long long term. Um, recovery I guess because he he couldn't you know he was really really high up kind of stockbroker he would just get to a certain point um, and throw everything away businesses um, careers um, consistently um, and and he was kind of like told this sort of like businessman was told by Jung that he would need a, like a complete emotional rearrangement a spiritual experience to cast aside old ideas and attitudes and adopt a whole new set of beliefs religious beliefs were not enough uh, because but you must undergo a complete spiritual change so Jung didn't believe in kind of like religion as kind of like structured religion he, he thought that it was dogmatic and fundamentalist and it was unhelpful um, and lead to spiritual stagnation. So he, he was more, it's more like a, you know, a spiritual growth. Um, mm. and, I, and I think in the steps itself, it's kind of like grouped into looking at kind of physical, mental and spiritual aspects. So according to the American Psychological Association, this is kind of, kind of like a roundup of them, that you admit to yourself that you have a, a problem um, that you can't control basically in the step it says you're powerless over your addiction uh, you come to believe in a higher power that can give you strength that you look at your past errors with the help of a sponsor um, that's someone that you can kind of like talk to about stuff as a one-to-one -one thing it gives you guidance 
uh, you make amends for those errors, uh, you learn to live a new life with a new code of behaviours, and then you go on to kind of help others with the, with the same kind of compulsion and addictions. So mm. you kind of see from, from those things that that's, that's the 12 steps take you through through that from from admitting at the beginning that you're you know that you are actually powerless powerless you've been addicted you know addiction has beaten you and your life's a mess basically so it's kind of surrendering to that idea that that you you need help and you've probably tried to help yourself in the past and it hasn't worked and that is, um, I've heard the term, you know, obviously I've heard the term, but I know um, working the programme is very much like a term about doing the steps. Now, I know this This is where I think sometimes it can be um, a, a little bit confusing about what, what the programme or what the 12 steps actually is, because you have meetings, don't you, essentially, where you go to a meeting, you engage, um, you know, there's, you, it's not necessarily in a circle. It's like, you know, there could be somebody like up at front kind of talking, somebody does a share. And so it's like breaking it down because, you know, can you go to access it just for meetings or is it kind of also important uh, factor to actually do that step work? So, you know, where you kind of take on the 12 steps um, and do each step at a time, like, how what like how what do you yeah what's the so what, you what can, recommendation you can go yeah you can go to meetings and not get sponsored or not have a steps but it's recommended so nothing's a rule there's no kind of rules but there's you know it's recommended that people in the past have got clean by doing service by getting a sponsor and doing the steps because yeah people in the past have seen that they've come and not done any of that stuff and relapsed again. And the people that have kind of stayed around and got clean and got years and all that have just done this stuff that's recommended um, and it's worked for them. So it's, you kind of go there initially, you hear, you know, you hear people's experiences, you hear these people that are like, have got amazing lives. They look really grounded and happy and completely like uh, together, you know, and you hear these fucking horror stories of their past uh, that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, believe. Not every not every meeting has a horror horror stories, but you know, they they are people share their experiences uh, and 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 how they kind of got clean. And so it's these recommendations, and you see people that have done it, and you think, well, if they can do it from what they've experienced then surely I can you know I guess you know it comes with that surrender thing of, of of kind of like admitting that there is that problem which is like you know a massive thing in the first place to even kind of get yourself there and then mm. you hear other people's stories which are very much you know your own experience because a lot of the time you just think you're unique you know no one's no one's done what I've done or thinks how I feel, think, you know, feel or how I feel or, you know, it's all just like, you know, poor me. And then you kind of get there and then you hear everyone echoing exactly the same thing, you know. So there's this kind of like common communality, this kind of bond with people who've kind of got this experience of addiction that people don't have, an, have a specific addiction, obsession over things of destruction they don't understand that yeah absolutely and it's really interesting because you mentioned kind of like sponsors 
and and though I have had some engagement with meetings, I never did the steps or or got a sponsor. Um, and so like you know, can, is it recommended? Just kind of in case anybody's listening, who doesn't actually know about how any of this works, it do you have a sponsor to um, help you? kind of work for steps like go through your step work so there's somebody kind of helping you through that process or is that something you do on your own like how does that work within you yeah you get you get a sponsor to, to help you and you generally you will it it, it will be uh, I mean my, my, my own personal took me a long time to find someone um you know a couple of years to even ask someone um and it's someone generally who's it's someone who's done the steps already so it's um and kind of has has an understanding of them to to help you kind of understand them in in a very you know absolutely non-judgmental way so so the relationship that you have with this person who's like you know not your mother not a counselor and not your friend but it's kind of those things as well it's a very kind of unique um relationship with, with boundaries you know but it's um it's a kind of like way i guess of getting you into um trusting again because a lot of people come in and they don't have that trust or bond with other people so so being able to kind of build up a trusting relationship with someone that you you tell stuff to that you possibly have never told anyone. I think um, just kind of really quickly on that, I think a lot of people also don't realise that some of the groups like this kind of subdivisions or like groups for minorities, like, I mean, so you get like, I mean, not sorry, women aren't a minority, but you know, you get women only groups or you get LGBTQ plus groups or, so I think that's something that I think a lot of people don't really understand. So I think there's just something about being able to go somewhere and kind of have that sense of community and that sense of belonging, people that are kind of similar to you, but also somewhere where you feel safe and that you can develop that bond. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's recommended for, for, for women to stick with the women basically and men to stick with the men. Um, mm. So So a lot of, yeah just for like safety when you're kind of like early in and stuff uh, I found me, for me personally that um, going to women's meetings I, I felt a lot safer and mm. uh, there was a lot more um, you know because there were mothers there there were um, yeah people who had kind of shared experiences that I I had had you know I think it's yeah that's a really important point and to be quite honest I, I suppose I wish I knew it sooner um so when I started first started engaging with meetings and and mind you like my experience is minimal with the 12-step program so I, I think I want to make that quite clear but when I started engaging with meetings it was the first addiction recovery model like I was signposted onto I had some idea that existed and I think my main intention was to stay clean Simple as that. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I, I actually couldn't give a shit about anything else. I just wanted to stop using drugs and alcohol. Um, and so, you know, I was signposted onto my local um, meeting group. And um, yeah, I had a I had a really, really shit experience. Um, and, you know, I think it's really relevant to what you were just saying there about finding the right group, um, being around, you know, the same sex with people with the same 
um, experiences to you. Um, and so I think like, I remember, oh God, it was a long time ago, but when I first went to that meeting, I was, um, well, I don't know, somebody, some older bloke, basically, um, yeah, just kind of tried to take me on as like a, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, I don't know, Obi-Wan or something like that. What is it? You know, the, the mentor. Mentor, that's it. Words today, Bex, words. Um, as a bit of a mentor was sort of saying, yeah, don't worry, we'll look after you and this, that and the other. And, you know, I didn't think about it then, but it was very creepy. It was very much like, come sit next to me. It was very much like, look, I'm at this meeting. You come along, I'll introduce you around. So, you know... I, I think I felt um, like actually, you know, it, that it really could have helped me stay clean. Um, so what I did is I decided not to go back to that one. I went to another one and it was really cliquey. Um, so no one came up and really introduced themselves. There was somebody doing literature. And by that, I mean, you have somebody there which has pamphlets and information about the organisation. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of wanted some connection um, and yeah, just I, don't, I didn't get it. I felt really like everybody knew each other there. I felt really uncertain of like who was the person in in charge. And of course, the, the, there isn't it self-organized. That's the point of it. Um, and so my short contact with the 12 Steps um, program um, yeah, well, well, it was it was short for for those reasons, um, and you know we've spoken about it amongst the team and and amongst ourselves and with our trainees, and it feels like actually you know it might take a bit of time to find the right meeting for you, um, it might take a bit of time to find the right sponsor for you, and also it might not work the first time. But yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that that was my experience. I don't know if anybody else kind of. When I, I went to my first meeting and I didn't go back for a year. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, it was just a bit, it, it was all round the tape. It was just too intimate. It was too, like, we sitting around facing people, you know, the whole circle thing still freaks me out a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was kind of just too much I think it just blew me away and then it was like kind of going away and obviously kind of you know using relapsing which I did for like a couple of years um and not yeah looking at like what was kind of pissed me off about it and the fact how shy I was that I wasn't actually going and talking to people and it's like well they're not fucking talking to me and it's like realizing that I've come there gone there like with this frown on my face of like just fuck off and leave me alone <laughs> you know? and then wondering why were people were you know not coming up to me but that you know it meets greets greet meetings should have like a female newcomer rep so someone that you answer and that they'll be like at the end of the meeting they'll you know show themselves so there be should be that a kind of link with someone that you can kind of talk to you know uh and I guess each meeting is so different, you know. Each meeting is, is so completely different that um, that's the good thing, I guess, about being in London and going to meetings that you can you can go, you know, you've got fucking like fifty a night or something. And it's free. It's easy to access. Um, yeah. Quick call. I was going to just quickly pick up on something. Um, that you also said at the end of that bit, Bex, before, like if, you know, going to the going to a meeting the first time might not be, you know, it might not work the first time, but also it might not work for you. 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? Just to kind of say that actually, like, I think sometimes 12 step is really prevalent and, and I think it's great. And, but I also think it's a bit like sometimes, you know, and different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Like doesn't, it's not going to work for everyone. And I, the reason I'm saying that is because I think like from experience, I've seen lots of people who feel like they, sh it should work and they go back and they feel frustrated and they, it's like kind of pushing a square peg through a circle hole kind of thing. So, um, and then the second thing kind of connected to that, I was also just going to say that actually the other thing that I feel that can happen is that, you know, people might engage with the 12 step fellowship for a while and then decide that actually that it doesn't work for them anymore. And, you know, it's complex. I'm saying this in a kind of very simplistic way. For some people, that might be a bit of a delusional thing where they're like, oh, I'm cured. I'm ready. You know, I can drink socially or whatever. So I get that sometimes their judgment can be a bit clouded. But I think also sometimes it's okay to grow out of something. Do you know what I mean? You know, I feel like, you know, I do a particular type of yoga that I've done for, geez, how many years? 14 years or something now. But it doesn't mean I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. And if I decide to kind of change because it doesn't feel right at some point, that's okay. I think it's just important to be clear about what your reasons are for going and making sure that they're not delusional. Um, I was going to say that's what happened to me with meetings because I was introduced to meetings when I was in rehab and they used to take us to one meeting a week in this like little village hall and it was quite scary to begin with. And it was cool because they were kind of like introducing you to AA. So once you left rehab, they could say, now you need to find a meeting where you are. And it was kind of handing you over to another safe space. So I carried on going to meetings in, I was in Bristol at the time. And I was going and going because I thought that was the only thing, only resource I had as like someone in recovery. And I started to just feel so much pressure because there can be this like competitive nature with fellowships where people are they're doing those shares so they're telling their story every week or they're going to meetings and they get into their sets really quickly and it's like that comparison I was like fuck I'm not doing anything I'm literally going into these rooms sitting there and then leaving and like ticking off thinking oh, I've done three meetings a week and I didn't feel any better in myself I was just kind of going to them because I thought that's what I had to do now that I was in recovery um so yeah I then I think I just did, I just gave up with meetings and I think I got back into them in London, carried on going throughout a year, but I never got a sponsor, I've never done the steps, I still will go to a meeting every now and then, but I just kind of like sitting there and listening because you can hear some really amazing stories, people always make you feel welcome, but I don't feel the need to engage with uh, 12 step in that way. I don't feel like I need to get a sponsor or go through the steps. But they they say they've got all these catchphrases in AA and one of them is, um, I've written it down, take what you want and leave the rest. And they say that because you can take whatever you want from meetings. So you can literally go to like one a year and if that works for you, that works for you. And I quite like that. What really strikes me about the AA meetings and about what you've been talking about is a sense of kind of belonging and the sense of community, the idea that people kind of share their most innermost secrets of their life experiences. And it's a place where people can, will listen with respect and there's no judgment, there's no shame. It's just a real open, safe space. And I can see like the power of kind of group work in that sense, because it 
yeah, I can understand like how it will make you feel um, more more resilient or stronger. I can just understand the power of group work in that sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean, very much. We we talk about we talk about getting vulnerable, you know, in in our in our sessions, um, and and the strength that that involves. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of kind of bonding that goes on when there's people being really vulnerable to a whole whole room full of possible strangers, you know, um, and being able to feel safe to do that. Um, knowing that you're kind of not going to be judged and and that you're there to it's not about you it's about you know the people other people in the room so if anything that you say you do it so that you're helping other people basically it's really interesting that because I do you know what I really love about it is it's peer-led it's self-organized it's not an organization like you know um which work from the top down it's kind of very much bottom up and you know I think if I'm thinking I'm trying to kind of you know weigh this up a little bit and you know thinking about conversations with past trainees etc etc there's a real positive to that like I really love grassroots organizations and self-organized you know self-organized kind of meetings and everything like that one thing which keeps coming up time and time again though um as kind of like a contradiction to that is that there isn't somebody there who is qualified in terms of understanding therapeutic process so it's very much self-taught and maybe some people actually do go and you know study psychology or whatever it may be um they go and and actually come back to that meeting and use those skills whether it be a sponsor or whether it be bringing it to a group um, and I wonder if that is something, I mean, obviously it's not going to change anytime soon, but it's something I have heard time and time again is that sometimes, and it is mainly women, that they wish that there was um, somebody with, who was a professional um, able to sort of um, facilitate or have, um, oh, I don't know, what's the words? I think, is it about like, it's unregulated? It's grassroots, you know, and I think, you know, and also, you know, I guess that my question earlier about where does the money go is because I know that like the posts largely are, are voluntary. So I think like it's something that's kind of run in this actually really incredible way, given the science of it. But it's also hard to regulate things, particularly when they become that big or what, for whatever reason. I think like there wasn't ever a stand to try to create some kind of regulation of sponsors, like any kind of criteria that they need to meet. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's just something to be kind of conscious of. And I was thinking mainly 12 stepping. There's this, oh no, they call it the 13th stepping, don't they? Um, you hear it a lot with the women we work with. And, oh God, does anybody want to give a go at a summary of what that is? Well, you, you just did it perfectly in your okay. experience. Yeah, okay. it's okay. Um, old, well... I suppose if you're a woman if, and you've been 13 stepped, it's when you've gone to a meeting, when you're newly sober, quite vulnerable, and you're approached by a man, older man, and he will be like, oh, I'll show you around, you know, I'll like teach you the ropes of AA and their intentions are not completely, you know, in line with AA regulations. <laughs> Can I just say saying about like having professional services, so as well as the 12 steps, what grew out of the 12 steps uh, and, and, uh, and the more that 
that the more that um, AA kind of grew and individual groups started up around the country um, that brought about um, the 12 traditions. So the 12 steps is like group, uh, working on yourself. And then there's these 12 traditions, which are kind of like outlines about how, how the group is run. Uh, to kind of like so that it, it isn't kind of taken over by so it's kind of supposed to be like you know common welfare is dependent on the group um there is it's a democracy there's no leaders the only requirement for membership is a disaster stop using um each group is completely autonomous uh, there's no affiliation with outside and outside groups all groups are fully self-supporting um uh they're non-professional that they do work they can work with professionals so you, you you'll be like you know you could go and talk about AA in services and stuff like that um and yeah there's no opinions on outside influences and things like this this is just to kind of keep keep it so that it's not kind of taken over by kind of personalities there's kind of these specific kind of guidelines to to kind of like how groups are run um but it's always been that it's yeah it's non-professional Mm. Do you know, I'm actually slightly embarrassed and, and happy to say this on, on, you know, and it being recorded, but after 17 years of doing this work, I've never heard of the 12 traditions. Yeah. I've never, ever heard of that because that in a way, I mean, it's, it's what we were talking about is a very kind of specific type of regulation among sponsors, but in terms of like principles for the groups and how they run, like I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I think they have them on like a banner, don't they, on most meetings, and they'll hang up the 12 steps and they'll hang up another one that's had the 12 traditions on it. And in some meetings, they will read them out at the beginning so everyone's aware of what they are. Yeah, there's readings that you have at the beginning of and ending of most meetings. I mean, I think some of the, um, some of the uh, secular groups miss out some of the god readings but um and those readings are the same everywhere and throughout the world so so um and yeah and they read out the 12 traditions and they read out the 12 steps mm. i think as well with um you know if you've got anything that you do need a professional for and you share it at meetings like i've heard a lot of people at meetings say you know they've had they do meetings and they see a therapist so it's like you wouldn't go to AA or NA or any like 12 step group for therapy or any in-depth kind of help. You would seek that from somewhere else and you go to fellowship meetings for your addiction or for a sense of community or that type of thing. Yeah, I, I think I guess there's like because in a meeting you kind of you're not supposed to kind of cross share with people. So you're not like having discussions with people. One person will share their experience and then you kind of share back to them. And it's afterwards, uh, like it's called doing fellowship. So like you might all go for tea or coffee or dinner or something after a group. And that's when you can all, you know, uh, maybe kind of like give, give like your experience of, oh, I went there. Have you tried going there or here? Or, you know, like um, your own kind of like personal um, hookups for, for people and, and all that. 
I was also going to add, because again, sorry to sound like a bit of an old granddad, but like after 17 years of doing this work, like it has changed massively. Like when I first started, 12 step was really huge. I remember like pretty much everyone I think that came through our doors um, had, was, was engaged with the 12 step. I think there was a really, really strong, like quite a staunch kind of belief in kind of one of the things that they say in that model is like addiction is disease. So there was a lot of that. And I really remember that. And like, you know, kind of almost two decades later, I feel like actually one of the things that's really changed is like that isn't such a thing anymore. I think people are much more uh, flexible and there's more of a kind of a softness. I think it's, it's a bit like church. I think it's like people who go, you know, take what they want to take and leave the rest kind of thing. They go for the community, they go for something different. But I also think that what's happened in that 17 year period is that, you know, we've got more and more access to stuff online. There's a lot more kind of choice. You know, I feel like people generally feel that it's unrealistic to put all of your eggs in one basket. So I think like you were saying, Antonio, lots of people do, you know, might get therapy here and get this from here and get that from there. Like we've got more choice, do you know? So I think that's, I think that's really lovely. I think, I think with anything, like whether it's like, oh, yoga is the only thing you need or 12 steps, the only thing you need, like that kind of conversation always, um, I don't, you know, steer clear from, because I don't believe that for a second, you know, I think actually the, the more choice we have and the more kind of, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say it without talking in kind of hippie metaphors, but like the more, um, branches to our tree <laughs> i'm not sure but you know what i mean like you know i think the, the more kind of spokes we can have to our wheel the better definitely and it you know it's it's interesting because i i think you're right i think people um especially we see on our courses are engaged with so many different models of recovery and you know we'll talk about it i'm sure in a later pro, um uh, podcast when we actually look at like what are those different models and i think what we do here at foundation for change is actually a model um of education so to speak um but it's interesting on our courses like you know these debates pop up more and more you know people are using their critical thinking skills like on the courses to examine what works for them and what doesn't and making personal choices instead of feeling like no, nah, this is something I have to do because everybody else does it and they say it works. And, you know, it does work. It does. It's nothing, I'm not saying it doesn't, but, um, you know, I think one thing that is really, really talked about is the label of I am an addict. So um, you introduce yourself and you say, I am an addict. And, you know, we uh, have a day on critical thinking on our course and it comes up throughout Psychology for Change um, that people are, you know, making choices to not, use that label anymore um, and say I'm an addict and try and move away from, you know, um, I, I think the general um, chat is that if you say you're an addict, it keeps you safe. You're able to still say, you know, I'm defective. Well, essentially shedding yourself from that label um, and saying, you know, I'm Henry and I'm so-and-so, you know, um, I'm no longer an addict or I'm not an addict. It's just a way of saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm finding meaning in my life and I'm feeling, finding things external to, to my addiction. And so it's just an interesting um, topic that seems to come up time and time again. But really what I feel like is going on there um, is that people are, yeah, um, everything you just said there, Bob, using critical thinking, seeing what works for them um, and debating it and talking about it. And I think people seeing that they're, you know, they are more complex, you know, there are more signs to a person than just one. 
So like I was saying, if you just define yourself by one thing, like, oh, I'm Indian, you know, I'm not because I'm, you know, there are like lots and lots of facets to my identity. And I think that people are starting to kind of really see that themselves. But I think one of the points of not contention, but I was thinking one of the things that happens on one of our courses, so we, you know, I do this day on solution focused brief therapy and some interesting principles behind solution focused brief therapy. One of them is this idea that diagnosis is not destiny. So when people do that day towards the end of the course, like I think that's really interesting. I mean, I think a lot of the kind of philosophy of the SF, the solution focused brief therapy approach is quite challenging to the 12 step approach. And, you know, it's kind of just saying like, um, uh, just because you've been one thing in your life doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. You know, um, God, there's some other things, my brain's got a bit dead, but, you know, again, I think people are maybe holding less tightly onto the 12 step than they used to which means that if your grip is less tight if your grip is looser you can question it and you can allow other information in without it kind of threatening your very existence so i really do feel like that's happening a lot more yeah 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 i mean i i I would say it feels um a lot kind of a lot broader and a lot freer and you know there are people that you will find that, you know, get you and your kind of like way of thinking, you know, and there are people that are quite dogmatic with the, you know, with the book and it's like the Bible, it's got to be there, you know, it's, there's, there's all different kind, kinds of people. I mean, you know, there's loads of books on 12-step work and it's, you know, there's, you know, w- women's way of working through the 12-step, there's a Buddhist way, there's the, the Red Book, which is kind of like Native American way of, of, of dealing with alcoholism in a kind of spiritual way. Um, uh, yeah, there's so, there are loads, loads and loads out there that kind of have that kind of basic structure of 12-step work, looking at yourself and, and all that. But, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be this kind of like dogma. It's reassuring. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's a really nice place to end it. I feel like in the future, you know, we will continue our addiction sort of series, little mini series. Um, I think there's a lot more to explore, like, you know, um, models of recovery, I think could be quite interesting to unpick. But, you know, if you're listening and you have kind of, you know, in, engaged with 12 Steps, obviously, or, or haven't, we'd love to know what you think on social media, on Instagram or Twitter. So, you know, leave us a comment. Um, we hope it's been useful. It's always good to sort of deconstruct um, and critique things. And um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's it. So um, without further ado, uh, have a lovely day and see you later. Bye from you guys. Bye. Thanks for it. See you later. Bye. Bye.